Hello and welcome to another episode of Into the Black Archive, the Doctor Who podcast kill, that goes kill, over. Kill, 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 kill. It's yes, it's kill. Into the kill. Obey. You must obey. You must take orders. <laughs> There's also the bit of the shout. Murder! 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 Yes, this is a this is an episode with an awful lot of shouting words repetitively. It's the evil of the Daleks, uh, which is the next episode in our Doctor Who journey, but also it's the newest animation that's out, conveniently, because they've just put this out. Um, the new DVD version was released on the 27th of September uh, in steelbook form. Yes, it's very uh, nice. It is very nice because Owen's got it. And uh, so what we've done to watch this is we've gone through Discord and I've been, he's sort of screen shared yeah. it to me. The, the, original and, plan, yeah. the original plan was for us to meet up and watch it together. Owen, why don't you, why don't you tell the listeners why we didn't meet up? <laughs> Since me and James decided which, you know, let's go and be sociable. Let's go out. Let's go out. In my case, first time in like two years. Let's go out and have some drinks with my, some friends. We went to a function. And then the next day we got told one of them had COVID. And yeah. then three days later, I got COVID. James had something. We're not entirely sure what it was. James, All I know is it wasn't COVID. Let's just, for the sake of argument, call it James disease. And then that's what happened. So we had to do it all remotely. Like this one, because I'm still in self-isolation. Yes, although it is your last, it's the very last day of self-isolation. Has Freedom! it been fun? No, it's been absolutely horrible. God. Yeah, I, I fully expect that I'll have to do it eventually. Yeah. I feel like it's just something everyone will end up doing. So soon you'll be able to, you know, laugh at me from outside walls, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll figure out when that happens. Yes, so shall we, shall we get into Evil of the Daleks or is there anything more you want to bring up? No, not really, no. but Evil of the Daleks. Yeah, so the context on this one, uh, it is a seven-parter, uh, so so it's a bit of a hefty episode. Also, it was intended to be, get this everybody, the final Dalek episode, like ever. Yeah. Owen, do you know why it was it was meant to be the final Dalek episode? Not off the top of my head. Would you like me to tell you why this was why they were going to go this way? I'm really so tempted to say was, no, just to screw you over. No, 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 we're doing it now. So the plan was, <laughs> the idea, what was going to happen, was that they were going to do the Daleks as a separate series. Ah, uh, yes, they were going to ship it off to America, weren't they? Yeah, and Terry Nation was going to produce it, so essentially Nation was going to take full control of the Daleks uh, away from who, but for varying reasons that made sure it didn't pan out, the Daleks didn't have to go. Although they didn't appear again in a main Doctor Who story for five years. So this is the last time we're covering a Dalek story in a while. And it's the last black and white one. But unless you watch the animated coloured one. But it's the last broadcast black and white one. Which means this is also the end of the monochrome era, thank God. Not quite. We've still got two more seasons left. Actually, no, I think we've got three more seasons. Well, I thought you meant this was the last one. <laughs> is this the last Dalek story? In Just for the last, is that what you said? The last Dalek one, yeah. Oh, no, for we've God's got, sake. We've got two more seasons until we yeah, get so colour. Yeah, the timeline makes sense because it is still 67 when this has come out, or 66? 67. So, 67, yeah. So we are a couple years away from colour on BBC One. Anyway, BBC Two had colour by this point, did you know? Yes, it was their test channel, wasn't it? Yes, it was when they dropped it in because it was 1964, I want to say, that they launched it. And But then they messed up the launch on the first day because of electrical problems or something. Yep. They didn't launch in time. Anyway, that's a completely stupid tangent. Uh, so, yeah, that's your, that's the main context. And this was also meant to be the very final episode of season four as well. Which it was. Uh, yes, it is. And Thank you, Owen. No worries. Just thought I'd confirm <laughs> since... <laughs> You, you left it there on the tangent, which made it sound like there was something else, which was, was a bonus one. You just be like, it's the last episode. Yeah, no. Went, because they were saying, mentioning with the, how it was going to be for the last Dalek episode, it was meant to be for the last Dalek episode. You went, last Dalek episode, 
And it was also meant to be for the last episode of series four. And it was. Yes. <laughs> so, yes, yeah. it was. Remember, always, always bring up your tone when you're asking a question. <laughs> um, but this one here, there was recently a poll done by Josh Snares on YouTube of what was the best animated episode. Based on its animation. Yeah, based on the animation quality. This was ranked at first place in that poll. Which do is a you, hell of a thing to say. Do, do you think, out of the ones we've watched so far, this was the best animated episode? In terms of the quality of the animation itself? In terms of the quality of the animation itself. <sighs> maybe, yeah, maybe. But there are some bits that are a tiny bit ropey. At the start, for example. Yeah. Where they're sort of following this harness and it's kind of this weird mesh between sort of like a, a clunky 3D model and the 2D stuff. And yeah, it does feel kind of off. But outside of that, when you're just doing the general 2D stuff, it's really nice. And I think the way they bring, they sort of create parts of the story animation-wise, like the, the quality of the production, the effort they've taken into the details in and around the scenes. I think the movement of the characters is better than it ever has been considering that these guys aren't exactly working with millions and millions of dollars or anything or pounds to make yeah. this. I think it's really very decent. That Yeah, there's a couple of things that maybe aren't perfect, but this is an animation at the end of the day. I think the best way to describe its strengths and weaknesses is that when it's in an enclosed space, it thrives, it's amazing. As yeah. soon as it's in an open area, like in that first scene which you're on about... Because they're right in the airport, aren't they? Yeah, it kind of gets a little bit ropey. Yes, I think it's just because of the limitations. Because when you're in an enclosed space, you have much better control of light. Yeah. You can understand where the light sources are. Open air, it's just everywhere. And it's always yeah. shifting and changing. So it's very difficult to recreate that feeling in an animation. Yeah. But the good news is most of this story does take place in enclosed spaces, particularly a Victorian house. But we'll get on to that. What we should discuss first off... Do you want to... Is the synopsis, actually, before I even go into anything else, we should probably mention what this story is about, which means another one of our world-famous Owen runs through at seven episodes of Doctor Who as quickly as he can without breathing. The issue is with this one here... We'll so talk about, We'll talk about this later. It's essentially three sections of the same... of one overarching story. There's three very distinct acts here. Yeah, they break up quite nicely, actually. So, let's go. Begin. In my head, I had it planned to go straight after you've stopped, but then you went begin and that just threw me off. I, just thought, I thought you'd want an extra cue. Uh, <laughs> I thought, honestly, I thought if I'd stopped, you'd have just gone, well. <laughs> I was very fair to launch into it. And then you went, begin. <laughs> begin. Bray <laughs> <laughs> can't do this. So we start off in coming straight off the back of the Faceless Ones. However, they can't find the TARDIS. Where has it gone? We see it being taken off by some sort of carrier. They go in, they speak to airport staff, but that's not quite right. There's a little bit of spying going along here. So they run along, they find out where it's supposed to be, supposed to meant to be. There's a strange Victorian-looking guy selling clocks. They're very realistic-looking, considering they're supposed to be from Victorian time. They meet up in a you know, cafe bar thingy majig and mahoogle. There's a big argument about whether it's a bar or, or a cafe. Uh. And then we. What's it to do with like a coffee shop or a bar? Like not to not to intrude on you. I can't remember. Mm. It's some, I think it's that. Anyway, carry on. It's such a strange point to be hung up about in the episode. I just don't know why it's there. <laughs> <laughs> um, the doctor meets the. No, he doesn't actually meet them straight away because we have a little bit of intrigue. Daleks come out with a fun Dalek cliffhanger, which is completely pointless. But um, there's a death scene. They attempt to 
if a doctor gets drugged, he gets sent for a Victorian house where someone's being kept captive. He needs to create um, a human factor, which will help create for Daleks become more human-like. But is he? No, he is not, because then they go to Skyro, where they're actually after the Dalek factor to help make a master race of Daleks. But then they infect it into also into humans, where kill, 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 kill comes from. And then um, <laughs> people die, we get a new companion, and then that's the end of the series. Kill, 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 kill. <laughs> How, how on a scale of like zero to one hundred percent, how likely is this episode going to be titled "Kill, Kill, 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 Kill"? Depends. On what? If something funny comes up in discussion, like floaty, floaty Cybermen. Okay, yeah, possibly. <laughs> uh, I, I, I sense it's going to be kill, 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 but yeah, that's um, that's a rough, that's a rough road to seven parts. Basically, listeners, there's a lot in this episode. Like, it is typically great big Dalek story where they've just thrown the kitchen sink at it. Yeah, it feels... It feels like they went all in, but did it work? Generally, I think before we get into characters, we should probably say generally whether we liked it or not. I I, think... Yeah, you carry on. I was going to say, I think we came to the conclusion which... It's all over bloody shot, but it's hilarious to watch and fun to watch. Yes, it's it's the most fun you'll have watching your episode. It's it's really good entertainment because so much is happening that's totally off the wall where you think, oh wow, I can get I can get into this. In reality, the moment you start thinking about it, you realise, all right, that doesn't work, and that doesn't work, and that doesn't work. But you really want to like it because they've put so much effort in. So it's it's a good watch, although whether it's the best episode or anything, that's a different question. I think after, after we've watched it together, we defined it as essentially a Marvel, a big Marvel ep- a film where it's, it's very good as a spectator. But once you start looking into how it's all connecting it makes no sense at all yeah it's you know you don't go and watch uh black widow or something like that or the the new bond film expecting to see an academy award for best picture nominee you just don't yeah you know you don't usually go into it on that level of oh i'm looking for a serious drama and this is exactly the same here you're not going to get amazing storytelling in the sense of great things happening here like you get in some other episodes but this is still really fun. Yeah. Because it's just it's just a big, ridiculous Doctor Who adventure. And that's the charm of the show at the end of the day. That's why we like it. And let's also just talk about the elephant in the room as well. Yes. Before we go into characters. Seven episodes. You think it's too much or too little? It's it's a difficult one because I'm saying they've stuffed in a lot in those seven episodes, but also there is some downtime. Particularly, I think we're saying episode three, there wasn't much going on, so maybe they could have decreased just a little bit to a six-parter. But I think they've got suitable enough of content with it in those seven minutes—not seven minutes, seven episodes. Yeah, but seven minutes. Wow, that would have been something. It'd have been like (laughs) that's like trying to put like three tacos inside one taco. Um, I think you're probably on the right lines when you say six episodes. I think they could have cut one and it would have been fine because then you can do, if you're thinking of it in like a traditional pacing structure, the usual rules um, is that your first quarter is your first act and your last quarter is your, your third act and then anything in the middle is your second. So based on that, if you have them leave the first part in like the middle of episode two and then enter the third part in the middle of episode five then you'd be good to go and then you can cut an episode from the middle yeah and that would make it a bit leaner and i think a little bit more efficient because there are like you say episode three is very slow and kind of feels bogged down and also at the initial the initial act so to speak feels like it could have been cut down to just one episode because it's not it introduces characters which we then never visit again we yeah, never it, see the impact of the consequences of things which happen in that first act. Well, I think that's one of the... And we'll get into this a bit more later, but one of the big issues, I think, with the story feeling like it's in three bits is that they feel almost too separate from, from the, the other bits. I, I think it's... 
survives that with the second and third act because they, for the most part, they bring along the same main characters. Yeah, that and transition's they, better. And they sure. resolve what is going on for the other side characters in the second part. But they don't yeah. try that at all in the first bit. Yeah, the only we only really pick up one character, don't we? Which is which is Edward. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. Everything else is just either not relevant or dead. <laughs> but shall we get into characters and then talk about this mad story then? Uh, because yeah. there is so much to get through. Yes. So, oh, you go. Yeah, sure. Uh, so starting off, uh, I feel like we just start off with Patrick on this one. Uh, because Patrick Troughton has a moral and ethical dilemma throughout this narrative, uh, because he suddenly realised that the Daleks are going to task him with a test to create the human factor. And to do that test, he has to test someone pretty close to him. How do you think he does? I think it's good and lines up with the character. But Mm -hmm. I feel like he's enjoying the essential torture of Jamie too much. This is the issue. It, it does feel like he goes a bit Hartnell. I know he's a bit playful. Yeah. But does playful necessarily become, uh, how would I put this, socially withdrawn or unempathetic? Yeah. I've, I feel like everything which had took place within the episode fits his character, but I feel like how he went about it was there's mm. just too much joy in it. Well, I think there's wasted potential with that because that's pretty much the cliffhanger on three, isn't it? Is, you know, yeah. we want to test and we are going to test Jamie and you're going to do it for us, which is a great setup. That's perfect. You know, you have to knowingly put your own companion through the ringer without helping. That's completely anti-doctor. And yet he's forced to do it for other reasons because because of um of um Edward Waterfield's situation. But they could have played up the conflict surrounding that, possibly made the doctor a little bit less doubtful, possibly doing things the wrong way. Have you know, sort of be able to draw out that inner conflict, but that doesn't really happen. Like you say, it's kind of like he sort of gets into the oh, that's great. Yeah. We're we're working it out. It is a little bit cold. I'm particularly as well thinking about when they actually have to come down to making when he sat down at the console area making the human factor mm. that specific scene he's, he feels like he's just making a a, a brownie oh yeah, just a little he's, he's in the he's baking just 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 a little dash of sugar and all that kind of stuff it's really really happy and it doesn't feel right now is that because he knows the human factor is going to be a failing within the Daleks, or does he? Is it overconfidence? You saying? Yeah. Does he? Does he know which it won't go right? Potentially, I think. I think he's he's got it in his head that he can outwit them. Yeah. By creating by creating a human factor that is so the antithesis of the Daleks that it would destroy their very essence. Of course, he doesn't know what the true plan is, which is why that doesn't work. But but it, it does... does feel very off. Yeah, it. I feel like if they had a scene where he realised, maybe not even spelling out directly to the, to the viewers, but maybe have him realising how he could use it to his advantage, that would have made more sense, his mm. being cheery, rather yeah. than him just being cheery. Yes, it does feel a bit out of the blue, especially in um four episode four. He kind of because he only really has a couple of scenes in that. Almost like he. Uh, do you reckon he was on holiday? I have a feeling he was. I don't think Before, so. Before, and he might have filmed a couple scenes in advance in a previous block. I don't know. But, but yeah, we can't know. Anyway, that's that's where Trouton is. I do think, by and large, it's all right. But yeah, there are moments where it's like, mm, not sure about the writing on that one. Yeah. Kind I, of what he's being asked to do. Everything within his character makes sense. It's how he goes about it. Yes. It is where I get issues. Fortunately, though... Uh, we don't really have to talk about characters too much in terms of the main, because there's only one companion to talk about in this episode, which is, goodness me, first time that's we, happened in goodness knows how long. We do have a second one, though. We've got Victoria we Waterfield, because she's our new companion. She is, and we will discuss her, I think, in a minute. 
and and see how that might work. But for now, Jamie McCrimmon is the best companion we've had, and it's not even close. Yes, not I love, even close. I love the fact he's independent and he can go toe to toe with a doctor, but he's dumb enough to make it entertaining. The brilliant thing about Jamie is, is he's not smart in the way that the Doctor is smart. And that's the clever thing about how they balance. I feel like Jamie is very quick-witted. Mm. But his obvious lack of knowledge about modern day, even modern day in these standards, shows and becomes a little bit of a humour thing. Like how he calls everything beasties. Yeah, he's, but he has this kind of charm. And I think that's what makes him more memorable is because... He's a bit fish out of water. He still doesn't really know where he is, but he's just adapting to the situation. And it also shows that a lot of skills are really timeless. I mean, if you have good common sense and you can solve a problem, then you should yeah. be all right. And that's that's what Jamie is. He's a problem solver and he gets things done. Yeah. There's definitely a reason why he becomes one of the longest serving companions. Isn't that? It's just gold dust. It's just gold dust. This episode is is really, really good for the double act that exists between Jamie and the Doctor, especially in the first episode or two, where they're trying to work out things with the TARDIS and they're kind of questioning each other and going on different angles. And you see how the differences between the two of them play out, which is really interesting to see as a viewer because you start seeing the conflict between them, how the Doctor works, how Jamie works. And that leads to a lot of the story happening. Yes. So that's our legacy companion, so to speak. Legacy companion? What are we talking about? European Super League? Legacy fans. And now let's move on to the new companion, Victoria Waterfield, introduced as a damsel in distress being kidnapped by the Daleks and being used as bait to get Jamie to give them the human factor. What a wonderful setup for a strong, independent female character. Oh, God, it's going to be a desert. It, I feel like she's going to be a desert screaming companion. I could kind of tell that, that, that she was being set up very quickly in the episode because they made such a point about Victoria Waterfield being, ah, oh, yes, she is, she is most beautiful, most wonderful. Fantastic young lady. Uh, and then in reality, what she does in the episode is, is very not much. It is so not much, in fact, yeah. that when she when she just sort of gets in the title, it's like, well, okay, okay. Now, something which I've, I can't remember who I saw mentioning it, but someone on Twitter mentioned they felt Molly should have taken on the companion fees. Oh God, yeah, yeah, that's so right. For, the servant, the servant there in in the Victorian house. Yeah, she's wonderful. She'd have been fantastic because she, she's plucky. Her her head is screwed on, which is really important for any sort of companion of the Doctor. You have to have your head screwed on. You have to be able to think about stuff. And she seems determined. And in reality, there weren't a lot of things tying her down to that place. At least what we got in the narrative. Yeah. So she would have been the perfect candidate for me. I wish that they might have rewritten that to do Molly. But obviously they had a plan in mind. And that's in the end what they ran with. Yes. Yeah, I'd have loved I'd have loved to see Molly do. That's a great idea. Whoever mentioned that on Twitter. Um much better idea. And based on the fact we've just spent for the last few moments talking about a different character says all we feel about Victoria so far. The problem is, is that she spends she literally spends we, we arrive in the Victorian house because she comes from that kind of part of the narrative. And She's already been kidnapped, so there's no time to get to know her even before she's captured, basically, and is being used as this bait. By and large, Victoria Waterfield is a 19th century Princess Peach. Mm -hmm. And Jamie is a Scottish Mario. Yeah, it's... They can obviously develop... Hmm? Do you know... (sighs) There was a Mario game that was in a big house... Is there a Mario game in a big Victorian house? Would you know about this? Luigi Mansion. Luigi Mansion. Luigi Mansion. That's it. That's what I'm thinking about. It's basically Luigi Mansion. That part of the narrative. It really. Do, do, do you know what happens in Luigi Mansion? 
What happens in Luigi's Magic? I've not played it. I'm not a I big can, Mario aficionado. I can tell by your comparison because it's got nothing to do with Princess Peach. It's got things to do with um, sucking up ghosts inside a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> All right. <laughs> nice try, though. It was a nice... Look, Princess Peach <laughs> is usually the, the, the person that needs saving in the Mario. I've, I've seen Super Mario Brothers and stuff like that. But She's yeah. good on Mario Kart. Yeah. Victor, she could prove us wrong in next season. She could prove us wrong. She could develop into a good character. Honestly, I really hope that's the case because, you know, they, they could easily get to write a good character there. But, yeah, it's not a good setup. No. And just on the side characters, because I know what you really wanted to talk <laughs> about Theodore Maxible. I do. I, I'm almost in the. Yeah, do you know what? I was thinking I'd bring it up in the narrative, but it is genuinely worth a section on its own. Right, listeners, I want to tell you about Theodore Baxtable um, in an almost breathless way, because I'm in love with this man. Not for, the, not for the reasons I was in love with, like, David from Dalek Invasion of Earth or anybody like that, or, um, or even, like, General Cutler or Captain Blade for, or the Monk for just being kind of competent villains. No, Theodore Baxtable is something else entirely. He is a f***ing idiot. He is a f***ing idiot. This man is a f***ing idiot. <laughs> so Baxtable is... Pretty much the head of the Victorian house. And he is the human mind responsible for getting this whole scheme going. Essentially, the Daleks have come to Maxtable to request that they go and uh, open up a shop as a front a hundred years in the future, which sounds really complicated because it is, so that they can trap the Doctor and Jamie, bring them back to their time and then undergo these tests. I like how they can just make up a plan to trap them in the initial timeline. Yeah, but no, they were like, nah, we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it from here. It doesn't make any sense. But but whatever. <laughs> anyway. But why, why, does it, why does he agree to do all of these bizarre things and go along with the entire story, <laughs> obeying the Daleks, no matter what they do to them? Even when he blows up their house and he, he's so loyal to the Daleks, what does he want from the Daleks? The transmutation of metal into gold. That's essentially... This man wants gold. And, and he, he wants it now. And he is willing to look past everything for Daleks do. I don't just mean like he looked past them taking over his house. I don't mean them kidnapping people. Straight up killing people. He's all right with that as long as he can get the ability to transmutate metals yeah. into gold. Metals into gold. That's all it is. It, he is one hell of a character. There are... I mean... This is the Theodore Baxtable who, later on in this story, the Daleks will literally destroy his house, including all the stuff he needs to turn the, the metal into gold in the first place. And he's still like, the Daleks will give me the secret, so it's fine. Yeah. Well, they just destroyed your house. <laughs> Teddy, Teddy. It, they are, they're not your friends. However, what makes Maxtable, I think, so memorable as a character is not to do with the way he sort of um, he works in the story or his competence. He definitely doesn't have any of that or anything. What makes Maxtable work so well is his ability to say words over and over again very quickly. In that end scene, in the end want... scene... I should say, before we get to that, there is a bit where... Because um, Edward Waterfield threatens him. Yes. So, so yeah, Edward, Edward's whole narrative is that he kind of has this moral recollection where he's like, I can't be involved in this. Uh, and Maxtable's the complete opposite. He really has no problem with any of it if he gets what he wants. This leads to uh, Edward Waterfield threatening Maxtable. Uh, he puts his hand on his throat. I wouldn't mention this if it was only for one thing. Maxwell just starts screaming, murder, 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 and murder, over and over and over again until he stops strangling him. Good writing or bad writing? Brilliant. It, it's terrible. I should point that out as well, but it's absolutely brilliant. Because that, I'll tell you now, when we do end of season, that wins the best death. Even though he didn't die. Yeah. It's still winning. <laughs> right, shall we start on for story then? Yeah, yeah, let's. Oh, and when Maxwell comes up, I will mention it. My God. 
So, the story kicks off exactly where we'd left off with the Faceless Ones. Uh, the Doctor and Jamie are pursuing the TARDIS, which is being taken away by some sort of haulage company, basically. Uh, and then they question a man in one of the warehouses called Bob Hall. Uh, so this is kind of the start point. And Hall is very unhelpful, like almost weirdly unhelpful, about the whole thing. Why is that? He's an imposter. Indeed. Uh, Bob Hall is working for another man, uh, and there is a whole conspiracy going on. And what I do like about this first episode is that it it sort of feels like a classic noir detective movie, that that's what they've sort of gone for. Yeah, because it... For Doctor, isn't giving the answer of all good coffee bar slash shop slash cafe. It's a lot... It's, it's very much a case of... Ooh, he said Ken. Let's go there. Ooh, there's some matchsticks on there which have got the name of the Technicolor Cafe Shop Bar thing. Yeah. Thing. And they go there and then they find Perry. And it's, it's very much show not tell where they're going exactly and what i really like about that is that when you take the tardis away from the doctor that really that just changes the whole thing because he has to use his wits completely yeah it's also one of actually no it happened last episode as well but it's also one of a few times nowadays when the doctor can't travel because his tardis has been taken away or blocked behind a force field or whatever for stupid reasons we had in the first few seasons Mm. Yeah, oh, but I, I kind of miss the, 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 the sort of weekly tradition of seeing how they would get the TARDIS out of there. I'm so happy it's no longer a thing. <laughs> oh, that should have been, We should have had an award for that in the first two seasons. Best, best stupidest way of like taking the TARDIS out. The trapdoor in the Aztecs was particularly fun. Um, at the end of that episode, we get a cliffhanger. As a cliffhanger, we complained about while watching it mostly because it's a cliffhanger we've previously complained about. It is yes. the evil of the Daleks. What a surprise. There's a cliffhanger. There are Daleks. And there's a Dalek in it. Chris we Chipnell, are amazed. Chris, Chris Chipnell, if in Flux, the title is labelled for, for Death of the Suntarans, don't have that entire thing be, oh, look, the cliffhanger of that be, oh, there's a Suntaran which is dying. Don't do that. It's really annoying. The build-up to that is quite good, which I think it makes it more frustrating that they use that as the cliffhanger every time, because we meet we meet Waterfield at this point, uh, and Edward Waterfield seems to be this sort of antique shop owner, and he has a thing for the TARDIS, he thinks it's an antique. Um, there's really nice, realistic stuff that couldn't possibly um, be from the old days, because it hasn't aged, it hasn't worn down, it, it still looks good as new, even though it's obviously very old. Uh, Waterfield, though is running, at least from the 1966 side of things, because how confusing this gets, um, he's running this operation. And right at the end, we see that there is a time gateway, almost, in this room with a throne, which is very kind of surrealist to look can, at. It's a really interesting room. Can I say, I like the way which they hint at him being from the past. Because there's a mm, point where really him, good. him and Perry are arguing over something. I can't remember what it was off the top of my head. And Waterfield goes, I pay you 50 guineas. And Perry yeah, goes, and it's like we... pounds. And it's a really yeah, cool pounds. way. We've of, moved to the normal system now. It's, it's a really interesting way of hinting to the viewer, which something's not quite right about where he comes from. But also not enough to make us really question it. It just feels like a, just a natural mistake. Yeah, it just feels like he's just... It's kind of like when you speak to to your grandparents and they still use old terminology for things. Yeah. It just feels it's... like a natural trip of the tongue which happened by mistake. Yeah, so it's quite it's quite cleverly done. If, you, if you're able to pick up on it, then you, then you start to work out the narrative. But again, it's not too much where it's being forced down on you. And that's what you want, especially in a sort of detective-style story where you've got to work out your clues and figure out what's going on with the narrative so i think that's really good and i should say before we move anything edward waterfield's a really good character really really good yeah i like he gets he, a whole arc he he has a very complex character where he, you see him actually having to think through and deal with all the situations he's being put through and, and they are a lot of bad situations and 
he's not gullible either, unlike Maxwell. Mm. And I think that's that's why we gain a lot of respect for Waterfield throughout. Because initially we sort of think, oh, he's got he's got he's this evil guy. He's going to be like Blade from the last episode. But no, totally different. So I like the way the story twists him. Um, so episode two, it's essentially just a massive build up to episode three, isn't it? It's the only one which we've got surviving. So we watched the surviving episode of that one. Mm. Nothing of note really happens. It's just a build up. Well, this is where we start to sort of make the transition into going to eighteen sixty six, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, because what what happens is that there's that guy Kennedy, isn't there? The initial guy that was spying on the Doctor ends up getting yeah. killed by the Dalek. Yes. So all of a sudden, Perry runs out, um, thinking, "Oh goodness, death, death, death! That's terrible," because he doesn't know about this whole thing. Uh, and Waterfield, recognizing he's about to get found out, takes him, the Doctor, and Jamie through the time gateway. Yeah, and this is where what I'm coming up, what I was discussing previously about how nothing from that first part gets resolved. We leave off when Perry bringing in some policemen to discuss a murder, and Perry goes, well, there was two people here. Mm. And then we essentially cut, jump cut to the past, and then we never discuss Perry again. We never discuss no, the policemen again. We don't know what, how that story resolved itself. We just move straight on, which... Is a bit lacking. I agree. It does just drop it. It would have been nice if we'd have gone back for maybe five minutes in that last episode, and you sort of re- and you go back to the same place, and you realise, oh, the shop is being like, searched by police or something, and I even, or Perry's been arrested and framed, something like that. I even feel like it would have been better if they just hung with it for a few more minutes, and they got the police not questioning what was going on and just arresting Perry. Mm. rather than just leaving us in a lurch about what the police will do. Yeah, because at least that resolves. Although, isn't it sort of the joke that because it's only Perry and it's, oh, I could have sworn there were other people there. You've kind of, so there's sort of the implication that Perry's obviously going to be the person the police are looking at first. Yeah, I just feel like they could have... It doesn't feel like a full circle, does it? It doesn't, I agree. But you can, I, can ju- I can justify why it was done that way, even if I don't necessarily agree with the way that it was done. Yeah. But yeah, but that's when we leave 1966 firmly behind because we enter this sort of, like we've been saying before, there's three parts to the story. There's the present day one and now we enter the Victorian house one, which is the main crux of the thing. I have to be honest with you, the episode sequencing here has gone past me, so let's just talk about it as a big blob. It was just like one big blob. So this yeah. is basically two, it's pretty much like middle of two to an extent to almost middle of six. So, it, so we spend quite a lot of time here. Yeah, so... As we were saying, we're in... I've completely forgotten how it starts. You can well, continue. I can take go. over. Yeah, I can go. Take over, James. So what happens is there's a lot of characters that you need to meet in the Victorian house. There's loads because it's this sort of full house setup, like a classic Victorian house with servants and, and a house owner and just people just sort of milling around. You have... So you've got Waterfield. We've already met him. Then you have our Lord and Saviour, Theodore Maxtable, who's running the thing. Yes, then you have Edmund Terrell. Name Edmund? Arthur. Arthur, damn it. Uh, yeah, you have Arthur Terrell. Um, and, and also Ruth, who is Maxwell's daughter. Arthur's... Uh, Sorry. I was just going to say Arthur's existence in this entire Arthur's series an interesting of character. just doesn't seem to serve a purpose. It's just kind of there it's a subplot it's it's a subplot but yeah arthur terrell is there and he he has this whole thing going on which i'll explain in a minute uh and then also ruth who is um engaged to be wed to arthur ruth is the daughter of theodore maxtable and then you've got molly in the servant's pen basically and victoria who no one knows where she is yes yeah to summarize this whole mess yeah um Arthur's purpose for being, I don't, the issue which, which I have with him, you're saying which is a subplot, which is fair enough, mm. but he, he essentially gets mind controlled by the Daleks, we realise this very early on because he keeps, he essentially has different personalities, one is normal personality, the next is the other personality. But, yeah, he flips between them. 
we're never given a reason behind why the Daleks took control of him. He's just you know what, what kind of there. Do you know what I think? I think it's actually a clever way of foreshadowing the Dalek factor plan. Yeah. Because realistically, that's kind of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. To at least like a weakened level. Uh, because, you know, when needed, Arthur is essentially becomes obedient to the Daleks. I think that's maybe a prototype version of what they're going for with this human factor test. Because obviously that, in theory, at least that's the plan, shows them what the Dalek factor is. So maybe they were waiting for that to make a better, more refined version of what they were going for with Arthur. So it's foreshadowing what the plan actually is. But that serves no purpose in no, terms of the actual story. It, it just, Not really. It, his entire existence in this story just doesn't make much sense of his existing. No, it, it does kind of feel like it's a subplot you could have let go of. Um, also, I forgot as well that Arthur tries to get Jamie kidnapped pretty much right at the start. But then that also never goes to anything. Yeah, no, there's like this guy, Toby, who ends up getting killed by Daleks because he tries to rob the house. Again, pretty much irrelevant mm. to the main story. You can pretty much, yeah, Arthur and Ruth are there, but they're not really important. You can pretty much take those out. This is essentially what we were on about at the beginning. It's a very good story, but there's too much going on. There is a lot. I, I mean, we haven't even... I haven't even spoken about Kemmel yet. That shows you how much there's going mm. on that we haven't even got there. So you can take out that narrative. It's sort of fun watching Arthur slip back and forth between sort of Dalek Terrell and, and human Terrell. Yeah. In the end, you know, he snaps out of it. Him and Ruth leave, it's fine. Nothing really changes. So yeah, so we, we get introduced to this scenario because for Do- Doctor and... Jamie wake up in chairs with Molly serving to them, giving them something. I can't remember what it was. Probably tea or alcohol. Yeah, it was sort of like a like a wake me up thing. Mm. I think it might have been alcohol. Yeah, probably just a shot. And then the doctor gets brought aside, gets told about the master plan. Jamie gets kidnapped. He gets brought back. And then for Jamie and the doctor essentially have an argument, which is set up by the doctor to get him to rescue Victoria. Yes, because at this point... And this is sort of, this starts, oh, my words have gone, sorry. This is where the line between episodes sort of starts to blur, because this is sort of episode three now, uh, where we recognise what the plan is. The Doctor and Jamie are now separated, and the Daleks force the Doctor to run this test on Jamie. The idea is that Victoria Waterfield is being held captive by the Daleks as a test. Jamie is to go up to... You go up through the house, all of the corridors, try and find where she is and save her. In the meantime, they're going to be scanning everything he does, every emotion, every action, to work out what makes that particular human so human so that the Daleks, in at least they say, can take all those attributes. Can I just ask a question here? Yep. Do they actually need Jamie to do any of these tests? Because they can already get the Doctor to say what emotions the humans have. Not really, but I. But I, at the same time, I do think it's kind of a method of torturing the Doctor in a way. Because, mm. again, it puts him in this tough emotional position I where feel like, he has to knowingly put his friend at risk. I feel like that would work if they had the Doctor obviously disliking it, but he acts like it's a... As I said before, he's making a brownie. Yeah, this is one of the issues with this, is that because he seems almost so buoyant about the whole process the emotional conflict of it doesn't land it's a great concept that isn't taken in the direction it should be or it isn't fully exploited yeah Um, that's my thinking yeah so jamie and uh, kemmel yeah right should we talk about kemmel actually quickly because very quickly because we're running out yeah of i know we're going way over but yeah camel is this um mute turkish wrestler don't ask why um his his main character trait is that he can't talk he seems to have a love for victoria and initially he is is it maxable or waterfield who sort of tasks him with the do not let this man go anywhere maxable it's maxable yeah that makes sense so yeah maxable tells camel to make sure jamie doesn't get anywhere they have a fight, but Jamie and Kemmel recognise that they're both after the same thing and they team up. And so Kemmel helps him in his test 
unknowingly. Little bit of a racist issue here. Ah, yeah. Um, his main character trait. I was. I, I said mute before. To be honest, it's it's just like, oh look, exotic person. Because that's really how it feels. Like I know it's the sixties, but come on, mm. it is a bit reductionary. And we also, spoiler for when we eventually get into the next episode with Cybermen, Tim for Cybermen. Yeah. Exactly the same sort of character there. Yeah, it's... There are issues. I know people always go on about it was a different time. But ah, there's a limit. Like, come on, lads. Particularly it's when, not the best. Particularly when in the 10th Planet we had a black actor playing a very capable astronaut. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing that makes it so strange. Is that Yeah, the 10th Planet and um, even to like a, a lesser extent Moonbase. Hmm has a kind of diverse crew where everyone's sort of doing their stuff and, and that's not really remarked upon. It's just, it's there, which is exactly what you want. Characters are characters. It, it doesn't, you know... The only reason you should make skin colour a determining factor is if that defines their struggle as a person. Yeah. So that, that's potentially, you know, if they are experiencing something racist part of the story, then that makes total sense. If it's about the story, but but this is just it's not really for any purpose. And it and it disserves the character. Yeah. And that's where the issue is. So moving on quickly, let's just sum up what happens in this third part. Um they, they make the human factor Jamie. Yeah, the human factor gets made. Jamie rescues Victoria. And that'll get sorted. And then we give three Daleks for human factor, which was an hilarious ending. It didn't feel like a oh, cliffhanger, is... but oh, it was God, a hilarious yeah. ending. Yeah, because they come out, don't they? The three of them, and they're like mm. infants. Mm. They're pretty much infantilized, and they sort of playing games, and they seem like sort of really eager kids. But that's the cliffhanger. It just really strange. It feels like if they delayed it, if they brought that forwards by a few mm. minutes and have it where the Doctor is giving us the Daleks the human factor and everyone's around him panicking going no don't do that you'll create a league of super Daleks yeah and then when they turn on that can be a cliffhanger it's like what are they going to do what are the super Daleks what are they going to do and then yeah instead we just watch them look like children then we're like right lads that's the end of that episode see you next week <laughs> it's such a stupid cliffhanger but it was fun anyway the doctor gets carried around on a choo-choo train it is it's, it's hilarious um, and then uh, they they go off to try to find Victoria, but she's already been taken through to Scaro, which was our next destination on this rapid trip. Yeah, we should probably say how that happens because they Jamie can find Victoria, save her from the initial threat. Mm -hmm. Victoria is all like, "Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, men who have saved me." And then while they're dealing with something else, Waterfield just comes out of the back door <laughs> and just snatches her away. Mm -hmm. It's it's a bit dumb, but it kind of fits into this whole silly fun thing that Evil of the Daleks has going for it. And this is before we get into the last two episodes, like you're saying, which is the golden age of Theodore Maxtable. Yeah. And then... Yeah, and then the Daleks lay down a bomb. They go to set it off. They say to Maxtable, we have to find Jamie and the Doctor. And they go... F Theodore can't find them. If he goes through, how's Doctor and Jamie go through a different method... House blows up, Max was in trouble because he doesn't have a doctor. And then we're in Scarborough and then we're on the third part. We're running out of time, so let's do this quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a big episode. Like, there is so much happening that it... I mean, we've had to basically cut all the Terrell stuff. Mostly because it's pointless. Mostly, yeah. But anyway. Um, so yeah, Scaro. This happens. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, the Daleks have what they want. So they're like, right, well, we're off then. They destroy Maxtable's house. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did Molly get out? Do you remember that? Sorry. Did Molly get out? Yes, because Arthur, Ruth and oh, Molly Oh, yeah, yeah. Molly go goes off. out with them, doesn't she? Yes, yeah, yeah, she cool. does. Thank God. Thank God she isn't dead. Yeah, so the house goes off. Everyone's left anyway, so no one dies. Uh, obviously, Maxtable's dream of transmuting water into gold Water? A metal. <laughs> metal into gold. Should have died, but it hasn't because Max was an idiot. And then we're on Scaro to discover the true nature of the plan, where we meet somebody we haven't actually met before. The Emperor. 
Yeah, not the Dalek Emperor from Passing of the Ways um, that you might think of, but the Dalek Emperor is here for the first time. And how do you think that went? He is one hell of a beast. (laughs) I love him. He is massive. Yes. Are we calling him Thick Dalek? No, because he's he's very lighty. He's got lots of lights. Yeah, big LEDs. Yeah. I love him. I love his design. It it does look great. It's kind of like... um, He's like this big sort of spider with tubes. Yeah. It's also connected to the machine. Very accurately done based on how it looked in real life. Mm. So that's very good. Um, For that, but what's the story at this point, James? Just quickly. Well, the Emperor reveals the whole thing, which is, oh, well, Doctor, you have not been creating the human factor. You've been creating the Dalek factor. And then they go on this whole rant about how the, the Daleks don't want anything human, they just want more Dalek, the anti-human, so that they can beat them in theory. And then they have a machine that can turn anybody straight away into the Dalek because it's got Dalek factor in it. And who goes through it first? Well, the Daleks tempt Maxible with the ability to change metal into gold... Which, well, they show him the actual recipe, and then he's like, then they're he, like, well, come get it. Then, it's in then there. Essentially, they essentially go, oh, I can't quite read it. Let me get closer. And he walks through the, essentially a force field, which gives you yeah. the Dalek factor. And he walks through it and then instantly becomes Dalek-y. What does Maxtable do when he's a Dalek, Owen? Nothing. He just barks orders. Kill, 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 that's, kill. That's kill, later, though. Kill, that's later. Kill. We can talk about kill, 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 whatever you want. It's the greatest um, moment in Doctor Who history. So for Doctor, everyone leaves us, everyone's in the cell, including Maxwell. Max, for Doctor manages to trick Maxwell into letting him free to go out and do things. Mm, because Maxwell, even as a Dalek, is still a moron. He is such a stupid character. It's like, not even not even Dalek technology could turn this man into anything more than incompetent. Um, when he's out, the Doctor finds a way to trick all of the Daleks, essentially, aside from the Black Daleks, into getting the human factor and becoming like children and to start questioning everything the Emperor says, which then leads to a massive fight, which then leads to the end of the story. Pretty much, yeah. It's pretty much Dalek Civil War is the plan. And... It is implied heavily that all of the Daleks have killed each other. And that was the method they used to be like, right, well, we're not going to ever have the Daleks again. They're going to go off and do the spin-off in America. Um, and we're going to wash our hands of them. As, does it work as a Dalek finale? Because this was the intention, so we do have to review it on the intention. I think it does. Yeah, I think it does. I mean, we get the Emperor, so yeah. that makes sense. And if I'm also slightly wrong as well, they do leave a slight hint at the end, which there could be something else coming. Just to leave that, that little opening of possibility, which the Daleks come back, That's which true. they inevitably do. Because um, it's a bit like the ending of The Chase, isn't it? Where um, you've got the little one light out of the Dalek stalk. I think you mean um, Power of the Daleks. Is that in Power of the Daleks? Yeah, not for Chase. I thought it was in The Chase. No, it isn't in The Chase, you're dead right. Yeah, Power of the Daleks happens. Um and then we go outside, we meet Kimmel, Victoria and Jamie. Um, Maxwell comes out, goes kill, 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 kill. He kills Kimmel. Which I still can't believe, by the way. Like, how, how does Maxwell push Kimmel over? Um, the theory goes is that the Dalek factor gave Maxwell super strength. You thought, man, you thought Maxton was good to watch before. You, you wait to see super straight Dalek Maxtable. Um, I can't actually remember how they kill Maxable. Do you? I don't, I, I don't actually think they do kill Maxtable. How do they deal with Maxable? Right, I'm looking at TARDIS decor for this. Give us a sec. Maxable, 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 Maxable. Yeah. Uh, right. Maxwell's brought to the Emperor. I think he literally just turns back into the city, goes back to the city. 
Right, this is this is the last thing we see of Maxtable, apparently. The enraged Maxtable hurls Kemal over a hill over a cliff to his death as he is confronted by Daleks. The doctor tries to escape and encounters Maxtable calling for the victory of the Daleks. So that's that is where we leave him. We don't actually see him die. That is called the um pretending there isn't a a thing we need to resolve and just continuing <laughs> anyway. Um No, do you know what I think that is? I think that that look, Doctor Who's not we're not idiots. We're leaving Maxtable alive for the return. Yeah. Of but Dalek Maxtable. Something which we didn't mention. Waterfield, he got killed in for melee. Yes, he does, doesn't he? Well, he sacrifices his life. Yeah, to save the, do- the Doctor. Which he is jumps... the perfect end to his arc. Yeah, he jumps in front of the Dalek fire. And then we have the situation where we have to take Victoria with... Jamie and the Doctor, so they don't leave her behind. And then there she is. She's coming along for the adventure. Yeah, because Waterfield makes um, the Doctor promise it, doesn't he? Yeah. Which is the clever way they get Victoria in. I, just a, one last mention on Waterfield, because I don't feel we've really talked about him a lot because of how much there is. Um, the arc's really good. The way it, it develops is really nicely done. It interlinks with the plot really well. I think it's really good writing. It's one of the... There's not many great examples of writing in this because it's a little bit schlocky and a little bit overstaffed, but that is really good. Yeah. And it should be pointed out. So we've rushed for a little bit of this ending, but did you think it was good? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's good fun. Whether it's good critically, like I was saying sort of at the start of this, is a different question. I think it's decent, but the fun factor does turn it into a pretty good episode. It's definitely worth a watch just yeah. for Maxtable. He is incredibly stupid. Yeah. And that's what makes it so good. And how do you think they built in the Taking for Companion? Was it a good way to incorporate a character into Coming for Companion? Ah, it's a bit forced, but it's not... I've seen worse. Yeah. You could do that a lot worse. You know, they found a, a valid reason. You know, the, the family's all gone. Victoria's the only one left, so they've got to kind of take care of... It'll be it, interesting to see whether in the next episode Victoria's kind of got the conflict about that, because that would be interesting. It's very it's very Vicky, isn't it? How Vicky was taken. Kind of, yeah. Um, so there we go. That's the end of the episode. <laughs> Out of ten, what did you think? On what scale? <laughs> On maxable scale, it's maxable out of ten. But... The score out of 10 of how good the episode is, the same thing you normally do. I'm confused about <laughs> yes, this is going. Okay. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give it a seven. Because it's not it's not critically great. There mm. are big problems with it. It's too overstuffed. It could be better paced. Um there's a lot of things that kind of get picked up and dropped. And like we were saying, the way the doctor reacts to the whole Jamie testing is weird and does affect the episode. So it's not critically brilliant, but it is really good fun. And there's so much going on that it has this really good sense of adventure. It's really fun to watch. So, yeah, it's decent. How about you? I'm probably going to down it a bit and give it a six. You know, six. Oh, that's fair. Because there's lots of issues with it. There's entire storylines which can be cut, entire characters which could be cut. Yeah, Terrell, Ruth. it just feels like they've just filled it with as much as possible, tried to make it as flashy as possible. And it's fun watch, but... No, put it this way, I've forgotten it mostly already. It's It's got a lot of scale, but not a lot of foundation for it. Yeah. Yeah, it's go big without actually having a home to go back to, if you know what I mean. Yeah, which is a shame. But that is the end of uh, season four. Whoop, 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 whoop. We've made it through, which means uh, the next thing we're going to be putting out is our end of season review. Yep. Which there's, a next lot week. To, there's a lot to go through. Actually, we've had a lot of good stories this series. Yes. I'm going to put it out there right now. Best season we've had so far. I Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean, we're giving away quite a big part of the recording, but it is. To be fair, I mean, a lot of this has been animated, so I know that they're cherry-picking ones, but the cherry-picks have been good. Yeah. And even then, a good majority of it has actually been animated. There's only a few odd few which haven't at this point. Yeah. As to be fair, we've liked them. Even the, the live-action ones we've had have been pretty decent. So, yeah. all in all, it's been a really solid series. We're a long way from Planet of Giants, so I'll say. Yeah. It's been a massive change from those first three seasons. 
So, if you're enjoying this, please tune in next week uh, and give us a listen because we will be going through everything, our highs, our lows, our best episode, worst episodes, and other awards like, go on Owen, give a random award that they might hear about. Biggest disappointment, which goes to the thing which essentially we had for most high hopes going into and then Don't spoil everything. Nothing. Um, Then we've got for best death, for best baddie, excluding for Daleks. Um... And so much more. Yeah, lots to get through. So if you enjoy listening to us talk about one episode, why don't you hear us talking about a bunch? Uh, That'll be next week. And then after that, we are in full flux mode. Uh, We're going into season 13 of New Who. So if you want to listen to us talk about the New Who stuff, we will be starting on the 30th, where we will be discussing our expectations for the next season in our little pre-briefing. From that point on, we'll be starting, we'll be back in our normal time slot of Eight o'clock on Monday with the new episode from the episode which will broadcast the day before. Going up as normal until the end of season review week after broadcasting finishes. So make sure you are subscribed to get all of that goodie. Good stuff. And if you want to chat to us about anything Doctor Who related, your excitement for the new series, whether you've watched this episode from the old series, uh, yeah, go for it. We're on Twitter at Black Archive Pod if you want to give us a message drop us a line or just tweet us anything uh and also we have an email address if you prefer writing in that's blackarchivepod at gmail.com thank you very much for listening and there's only one last thing to say james i know what you're gonna say kill 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 kill